Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Oki Podcast. On today's episode, I have such an amazing guest for today. He is the host of Native Film Talk. My guest for today is Ian Allison. How's it going, bro? It's going fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm a big, big, big fan of yours. You've been cranking out episodes like crazy. And, um, you know, thanks to you, I had Riker Six Killer on my podcast. Had I not listened to yours... I, that was your first episode. Had I not listened to that, I would have one never know who Riker is, but two never would have had him on my show. So you know, I appreciate your your guests that you bring on because that gives me ideas for who I want to have on too. Yeah, yeah, that was super dope. Like I remember you told me that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was really excited for that. I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and introduce myself a little bit and then we'll just get right into it i uh so my name is ian my full name is ian claw allison um from tube city arizona navajo uh it's on the navajo res on the western side of the res um yeah i was born and raised there in tube city graduated from tube city high school went on to dartmouth college after that so i went to new hampshire for college and let's see graduated in 2010 like environmental science native american studies so i was like a double major didn't know what i wanted to do came back home you know everyone was like running off to the big cities boston new york la um baltimore all this you know dc area and Mm -hmm. i just went home i didn't i didn't know what i was doing in college i just i was i was the town's hail mary they're like go get your education go help your people but i didn't know anything about like getting internships lined up and getting um, my resume ready and getting all of my stuff ready for like, you know, starting to apply for work your spring before school, all that, or before you graduate, all that crap. So when I was done, I didn't didn't have anything. I wasn't going to med school or law school like everybody else. So I just went home and I started working at the plant nearby. I'm just working on the railroad, man. Like I had nothing. There was no jobs in 2010. I applied for everything academic advisors academic counselors any entry-level position 2010 is like kind of rebounding from the uh 08 market crash and so mm-hmm. people were just like the the market was very specific they were looking for they're like you know college grad with no experience was pretty rough um and i just got in as a laborer basically and then uh started working in safety and i've been doing that for 10 years so i bounced around Worked, lived, worked, lived in New Mexico for a bit in Albuquerque. Followed my wife out there when she was uh, going to grad school, and then when she was done, she's like, "We're done with grad school. Let's, let's go back home." Because she's Navajo too, um, mm-hmm. from like the Windrock area. So, you know, Arizona's home for us. So we wanted to come back and came back and started working where I'm working and still in safety. Actually, I'm in supply chain now, but. You know, so what's interesting about my podcast, why I bring all that up, it's kind of a long-winded thing, is mm-hmm. my entire life after college, my my identity never gave me anything, like, in, in my work. I was just, a, if anything, I was a diversity statistic, you know? Like, I wasn't, nobody ever asked me for my opinion. Like, it never, it never enhanced my work. I mean, you could make the argument that my background framed my work ethic, but, like, there was no reason for me to bring up me being native in a conversation in my job because I was doing occupational safety and health. It's like, there's, there's, it's not relevant unless you're working with Navajo people, which I was, but that's more of a connection and relatability thing. It's not enforcing standards. It's not helping the, the work. 
And so I always, I always felt this void um, of just like, I'm native, I'm a res kid at heart, but I never could never connect back to that piece of me um, because I was just in corporate America, basically, you know? And so I was always looking for that avenue to try to exercise that. So I started a podcast way back when, when I was at New Mexico, uh, at, at Albuquerque, it was called uh, Bringing Solutions Home. And it was like a part of a grad school project that came up with it. And it was just basically like, almost like, I don't know, whose who's podcast is similar. There's a guy I brought on my show called Wash Day Podcast, but he's, uh, he's a Navajo dude, just talks about like stuff that is kicked around in academia and is never really makes its way to like academia has so many solutions, so many solutions. And like, none of it ever materializes back on the res. And so I'm like, why are, why aren't we talking about this stuff back on the res? And so I started a podcast on that and that gave me like, I felt, I felt whole again, you know, but back then I didn't, I didn't know what an RSS feed was. I didn't know how to do any of this. And, uh, thanks to a buddy. And so, so that, that fizzles out quick. And then came back and, you know, in my line of work, I found a guy, his name's Sam Goodman, who I co-wrote a book with and who is a podcaster too. And because of him, I was on his podcast for safety, gosh, five or six times. And because we meshed so well, he was just like, hey, we should write a book together. And so mm -hmm. I wrote a book recently with him called The, the Safety Sucks Manifesto. And uh, that came out like two, three months ago. But through him he was just like it's not hard to do a podcast he's like look at look at my what i have here he has a gorgeous studio but it's like, he's just like all you need is and he just like usb mic and creates uh you know a host account and just do it whatever sounds interesting i had like three ideas for a podcast and he was just like what's that one you were talking about with native film that is unique that sounds interesting you should do that and he's very much like a you know, why aren't we working on this now kind of person of just like, you know, no, no, too, too, too much. I get like analysis paralysis where I like wait to do an idea until it's fully formed and fully planned. Whereas him, he's like, just do it, figure it out on the fly. So that's what I did. I watched uh, Parasite and I'm like, the, why, why, why is there a native representation in this movie? You know, this freaking random Korean film and nobody's talking about it. I saw a few like articles about it. And so I just made an episode on that and uh started from there so my podcast is native film talk i talk about native film and represent native film native representation in film and television and uh yeah i started out just wanting to do movies just reviewing one movie per episode and talking about the representation in it could be very grand like dances with wolves or um, last of the mohicans where it's like throughout the entire film or it could be really subtle you know like predator or zombie land um, and so it just you know I, I i just find it fascinating that nobody talks about native film or uh native representation in film and television come november you hear about it come like a big like article or a controversy you'll hear about native representation you know R ridiculous six the adam sandler film when that shit went down like you heard about native representation when real engine the documentary came out that was a great uh, documentary that like chronicled native participation in film and television throughout since like we started um, recording you know people on screen with sound and without sound and so I just was like this is a great opportunity to just talk about it and so I did 
and I've been doing it for gosh, six, seven months now. No, longer than that. Almost coming up on a year now, which is crazy. Um, I have 36 episodes out now and yeah, it's interviews. Now I've added a bunch of interviews to, 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 to my catalog instead of just movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, starting to, I've noticed that it's starting to transition into interviews now, you know, and I, I enjoy both. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you, yeah. um, Go ahead. Oh, what? No, I was going to say, um, I started out the first like 10 episodes doing just movies. Mm-hmm. Did like dances. I did like last of the Mohicans, Pocahontas, um, just the, just the stuff I grew up watching. And then after a while, I feel like I was just saying the same stuff. I wasn't and I wasn't, but I feel like I stepped, I kept repeating the same things of just like, I'm just doing old shit, you know, like what's on the horizon now. Like, it's fun to go back and look at the older movies and say like, point out what's wrong, what's right, what's acceptable. Mm-hmm. But then I started asking myself, like, why do we just hold on to these? Like, why are we, why in 2021, we're still fucking talking about smoke signals, you know? Like, why, mm-hmm. where, where, when's the next big thing coming out? And so as I reached out to people, my wife encouraged me. She's like, well, you should start following people on Instagram that are actors right now and directors right now. And it was, uh, you know, a few interviews, I just reached out to people, the power of asking, you'd be surprised who says yes, you know, you, you, you know all about that. Um, mm-hmm. it sucks when people say no, but, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, you'd be, you'd be surprised when people who, who would agree to an interview and the people who are in the industry right now, that's who I found really fascinating oh, because, because, uh, cause that's what I want to know is like, what is on the horizon? Is it better? Is it? Cause native people, we just, we, we like to think we know about what's going on, like why, we keep seeing like the leather and feathers period pieces over and over in film, why the stereotypes exist. But I want to hear it from someone who's like in the industry or really close to it. Of, like, why do we keep seeing that? Like, why are there no native writers? Why are there no native directors at, at, at the major motion picture level? You know, like, of course mm-hmm. they're out there doing independent work and living from grant to grant kind of stuff, you know, but it's just like, where, where are they? What are they doing? And where can we find their work? And, uh, yeah, because I'm just a film lover. Like, I didn't major in film at all. I took one class um, in college, my undergrad, <coughs> excuse me, called uh, Native Film and Television. And it was the first class I ever took there my freshman fall. And changed my life the way I view movies. Because we talked about, from the academic standpoint, the tropes that are recurring in film and television and how they're reinforced in the movies and how native representation is like misconstrued to be less than when when you're looking at films like pocahontas when you're looking at um films you know older films like the searchers you know kind of the john ford western era um the golden age of hollywood when we were just the noble savage the um the savage indian you know we were never intelligent we could never speak english if we could it was very broken and we were never civilized. Like all we did was kill and pillage. Like we didn't have culture, you know? And so I didn't think about any of that shit until I went to that class. And so I'm like, as I've talked to more native people, everyone's been on that kind of journey where it's just like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Or like, Oh yeah, that is right. And um, I thought it was fascinating for me. And thanks to my buddy, Sam, who just said, just do it, man. You're going to suck when you first start there's no getting around that just do it you'll figure it out you'll get better you'll look back and you'll cringe at your earlier episodes but just do it he's like if you wait to be 
good at it before you start, you're never going to start. So I just did it. And uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's so tough to try to overcome that. I was doing the same thing where I just like, nobody told me that though. Nobody said you're going to suck or, but I, I heard it through other podcasts that I was listening to and they were like, just do it, just Mm -hmm. do it and you'll get better. And, um, when I started it though, my boy James from the right potatoes, he was like, he was like, yeah, he goes, uh, giving me some pointers and stuff. And he was like, just keep doing it, man. He's like, just keep doing it. He's like, you'll get better. And, and, uh, you'll just, you'll be surprised at how, how much you'll, you'll grow. Cause damn, he's, they're already in their year. Like they've been doing it for a while now. Mm-hmm. And so he was telling me that and I was like, okay. So I just kept doing it and doing it, even though I knew like there was so much dead air sometimes, or I was nervous or they were nervous. So, I mean, it was, but now, you know, everything's like really cool and you know, it's, it's a good vibe. And I mean, I'm happy I did it, man. Happy you did it too. Yeah. Thanks. It's hard. It's hard when you start, um, when people are like, Oh, I just found your podcast. I listened to your intro episode. I'm just like, don't fucking do that. Like, don't listen to my first episodes. <laughs> oh yeah. I listened to your first two episodes. I'm just like, Oh God, why would you do that? <laughs> Cause it's like you, you listen to yourself the first couple of plays. I mean, you, you, you don't think you're nervous. Um, yeah. but you do, you just sound different. You know, I wasn't nervous at all. Uh, my first couple episodes, but what you're talking about that dead air space, like right now, my, my, my format is unless I'm an interviewer or unless I'm in an interview, I have like a lot of show notes where like I build out everything I'm going to talk about. And that helps me with not having my dead air space that you're talking about. My first few episodes, mm. I had to do a lot of trimming because I would sit there and just like stare off into the ceiling and be like, what am I trying to think of now? Yeah. And then I have this whiteboard behind me. I wrote down all my topics I was going to talk about. And I'd be like reading and trying to like think at the same time. And it just wasn't good. And people, they, they but that's one of those things too, that it helps to have mentors too. Um, my buddy, Sam, he's just like, Ian, I promise you, you're the only person that notices any of that shit. I'm just like, yeah, you're probably right. You know, it's like you, <clears throat> you have listeners maybe that are like dedicated they, they, they notice the evolution, but the stuff that you're bitching about and you're complaining about and you're nitpicking at, like, that's probably just you. And sure mm. enough, man, like most of that is so true. When I look back at it, people are just like, I care about the content more than anything. As long as you're not freaking in a bathroom and it's reverberating the whole time, you know, they, the, the, the audio quality, I think, especially with COVID people are okay with it not being as good. People are okay with Zoom interviews because they just understand everybody's in Zoom interviews. Unless mm-hmm. you're Joe Rogan and you have a studio and you invite people in and fly people and COVID test them before you do it. Like everybody's doing it virtual. And so people just have compromised a little bit on their auto audio standards. And it's beautiful because while I would love to have in-person interviews and I'm equipped to have in-person interviews, like it's, it's so much easier to just like, hey, let's set up a Zoom call. You know, zero yeah. travel. You just take a time piece of your day and, you know, set these up and you're good. Hell yeah. Shout out Zoom. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for real. Thanks a lot, Zoom. <laughs> yeah. I was afraid to use Zoom at first because I was like, damn, like, I don't know how to do all this. And and it wasn't like I was running out of people to bring over, but I just wanted more people from not from here, like you mm-hmm. or Magnez or like my boy James and Steven, like. You know, I want to jaw on here, like, and Zoom has made it so much easier to make that possible. Yeah. 
yeah i mean like i'm in i'm in phoenix right now and there's mm-hmm. there's no way we would have you know we would have had to wait for however long it takes till i end up in oklahoma or you end up in arizona to meet up and this is just great i think um yeah it's 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 fascinating too because the conversations i'm having in my podcast i mean for it like it's all spawned out of selfish reasons like i wanted to talk about i wanted a hobby because it was covid because i was freaking going crazy at home like my mm-hmm. job thankfully is 100 percent work from home but it's like at the same time it's 100 percent work from home it's just like you you know you see the same stuff every day i was in grad school too i just graduated so i was in business school at the same time too so i would go from office straight into class and i'm just like i need to break up the monotony somehow like i'm sitting at this desk just doing work mm-hmm. and i noticed i was watching films and tv all the time and just like well they just turn this into a podcast you know i'm already I, oh i wonder what other role that person was in you know i wonder if they talked about an interview i wonder in the interview if they mentioned why they included native representation in parasite i was already looking that stuff up mm-hmm. so I think people have this perception that like one that I already know all this stuff. I think people are like, Oh, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on this? I'm just like, I gotta, if I haven't seen that movie already multiple times, or I haven't done the research. Like I don't know. I know Mm -hmm. way more than I did when I first started, but there's still a lot I have no clue about. And I think that's the, that's the fun part is I love digging. I love investigating and I love finding kernels uh, of, of truth and i love finding things that people don't talk about i think I, I i love doing it one of my favorite things is when followers listeners to the show write in and say like i never thought of it that way or i never saw it that way or i never viewed a movie in the way that you view it and i'm just like man that's awesome you know it, it one it's nice to be appreciated but two it's like you feel like if i wasn't doing this nobody else would and that feels great yeah yeah, what's one of the movies where you had to do like a shit ton of digging and research? Oh man. Like what's one of them? Um like I would the say most research. I would say Thunderheart. Thunderheart was a big one. Because really? yeah, because the director Michael Apted in tandem with Thunderheart. Well, not in tandem, but right before he did Thunderheart, it was uh produced by TriStar. He got he did an interview on the res called incident at Oglala, Oglala. And it was about the whole controversy um, surrounding the FBI killer. You know, it, it was, it was all about Leonard Peltier. Basically it was that whole controversy around Leonard Peltier. And that's what Thunderheart is about. Cause uh, John Trudell's character is essentially Leonard Peltier. Um, when you, when you, when you juxtapose Incident in Oglala and and um, the documentary with Thunderheart, those characters are one and the same. Those people are real, you know. Um, I think that that was like the most fascinating part. The only thing that's fake is really Val Kilmer and like the FBI agents, but everyone else is kind of like a real person um, or based off of a real person. But I never heard of Incident in Oglala. I grew up watching Thunderheart. You know, I've seen mm-hmm. Thunderheart multiple times, but I had never seen Incident at Oglala. So that was interesting to like dig into both of those. And I mean, at that point, you're watching two full length movies multiple times, taking notes like crazy. You know, Val Kilmer came out with a book recently. I think it was called I'll Be Your Huckleberry. And he talked about Thunderheart a few times in there. He has a chapter on Thunderheart, his time on the Thunder on the on the res filming. And so there's just like digging into stuff like that. Like that's fun to me. Just yeah. like who would 
who would read Val Kilmer's book just for like two pages of mention on Thunderheart, you know, like mm -hmm. me, like that's fun. And, but, but there's people that find that interesting because there's not much native representation out there that we can be excited about. Mm -hmm. Thunderheart's one of them, you know, Thunderheart is one is, is like freaking real. It's authentic. Um, despite what you may, may or may not think about it. It was actually filmed on the res, you know, and like that, yeah, it might be gritty and it still might be a little bit of a white savior, but the story's good, you know, overall. And so people like hold on to that movie. And so if you've seen something over and over and you're like, you have someone come along and has done all this research and, and tell you more about what you already know, you're just like, man, this is awesome. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's what I find too, is when I do these older movies, people are like, it's fun hearing you tell me all this new stuff about smoke signals. It's fun hearing you tell me all this new stuff about predator, because I've seen that so many times, but then I can go back again and watch it. And I'm excited to watch it. Like it's not played out anymore. Whereas before I listened to your episode, it was, I think that's the fun part is getting people excited to rewatch stuff or to watch it for the first time with, you know, different color to a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's bro. I'm, I'm going to tell you like you, so you ride potatoes and scoat in cinema. <laughs> when you guys like dissect movies like you do your reviews and everything like i'll go back and i'll watch like the movies <laughs> like nice. you did predator and i remember uh, i you know i just watched it to watch it you know but when i listened to years like i watched it again and i was noticing like yeah like um billy billy you know he's not native to that area but yet yeah. you know he knows how to do all that cut that vine to get that water i, I yep, saw that yep. and i was like what the fuck it's like i'd never even noticed this until <laughs> yeah same same you know i was watching with my bro and we were talking mad shit before the, the episode started and that stuck out to me i'm like he cut that freaking vine at the beginning of the movie like how did he know there was water in there you know there's like native shit like it's south america he you know he's probably you know it, yeah it was just odd there's like weird stuff like that that you don't take a second glance at but when somebody points out it's just it's like the fedex arrow you know it's like you can't unsee it once someone tells you and i love mm -hmm. that that's like a piece of my piece of my podcast i think what sucks though and i'll be honest is i get exhausted with with the work because it isn't my job it's, mm -hmm. it's all of the, like it isn't my job i don't get paid off of this <clears throat> yes i get people that appreciate my work and yes my my listeners are growing and yes the people that subscribe like are growing and they get more reviews like everything's all positive but it's a lot of work mm -hmm. and at the end of the day i have a family i have a son and when i do and when i'm done for the day and i put my feet up and i'm finally like alone do i want to do more work you know do i want to sit there and open the laptop and not enjoy a movie I want to do, I want to sit there and like research a movie. And sometimes I, I, I don't. And I think that's why I've gravitated away from the movies for a bit um, mm -hmm. to just like, I love doing interviews because there's zero prep work. I just got to look up their IMDb or I just got to like look up a few stuff. Like I, I can carry a conversation pretty well. And I still make notes for like, here are the top 10 things I want them to talk about for sure. Mm -hmm. If we get to them, great. If not, you know, whatever, but so it's not like it's just a casual conversation. Like I def it's definitely guided, but that's why I like doing interviews too. And I think right now I'm just at this place where I just need to get back out there and start doing the movie, you know, research again. I finally found the love for it at a gig again, I guess, because it took it for, for, for a while there, 
it was a lot because I was I was ambitious. I was like oh episode a week, and that's a lot. And I was but I was doing it. I was hitting my mark every week, and it was just like man, looking back on it, like what was I thinking? <laughs> Damn, <clears throat> how much time? Like how much work goes into one episode? Um, I would say watch time, research time, and everything, and record time, like eight mm. to ten hours. I'd say six to ten, somewhere wow. around there. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, especially when you're cause, cause okay. So I can go a little, this is like people who really listen to the show will appreciate this, but if you don't, I apologize. Um, but like, let's, so let's, let's look over a zombie land. Here's a, here's a universal one. Let's go over zombie land has zero mm. native representation except for that one scene when they're driving to Pacific playland and they stop in the middle of the night at that roadside, um, you know, arts and crafts store and they trash the store. Mm-hmm. Um, that one scene, you know, all you got is that one scene, that three minute scene. And then you, you got to stop and be like, why is, you know, look at those native figurines. Look at those native statues. Are those real? Did they, did they buy somebody's entire store out? Did they recreate this all themselves? Did they buy all that inventory and ship it from the Southwest or, you know, what's the story there? And I found out they rented out a warehouse just outside of Atlanta and they recreated that entire arts and crafts store based off of what they thought an arts and crafts store would look like. All of those native figurines that are sitting out in front, they hired uh, a carpenter to carve all of those, a non-native dude, a white dude out of his backyard that runs his operation. He carved a 25 foot Kimasabi that does the how you know, but I had to go find his freaking blog spot or whatever the hell it was that he documented that himself. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just go down the rabbit hole, just catacombs, and then I'll like snap out of it. Like, Man, that was two hours right there. <laughs> you know, I just did all this research. And Skoda mm-hmm. and Cinema probably say the same thing. It's just like some of it is just for you too. Like I'm not doing this when I'm when I'm in that level in that mode. Like I'm just doing it for me because I'm curious. But imagine so like something like Zombieland. That's why I like doing Zombieland and predator because it's less native representation when you got thunderheart there's native representation all throughout the movie that's why i like Mm -hmm. parasite too because it's just like pieces um but when you're doing last of the mohicans it's just like oh my gosh man (laughs) you know while i love magua it's a lot of research you know because then too because then too you got you got you got to listen to the dvds and the special features because sometimes in the dvds the blu-rays they'll have they'll have a companion documentary with the film of like the making of, you know, the making of, and sometimes there'll be kernels of truth there that didn't make it to the film. They'll be like, well, we wanted to include this other scene, you know, like wonder woman is a good example of that. There were scenes with Eugene brave rock, additional scenes with him that didn't make the film that you go watch the deleted scenes, the extended scenes. Um, he says some extra shit in there. He's got extra dialogue in there that should have been in the film that like make his character more, well-rounded that make that give him character that give him life but if you don't if you just watch the movie and you're like hey a native guy you know you're not going to notice that um and i think that's fun too um wonder woman is one that i really enjoyed doing that one was a lot of fun because eugene brave rock was on the comic-con circuit and so he had a lot of in-depth interviews you know people interviewing him for 30 40 50 minutes straight just asking him questions about his background what it was like to be on the set you know, and it was a lot of fun. I think he did a lot for native representation more than he gets credit for. Cause that was a global, you know, that was a global presence. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I had a uh, Tyler on too from Skoden and he was, 
Mm-hmm. That's why he's he tries to do it once a month, you know, mm-hmm. because he was telling me about all the work, you know, that goes into dissecting these movies and, you know, writing it out and just, you know, finding time to do it. You know, you yeah. guys are you guys got families, you guys got jobs, you know, and and I mean, um, he does. Yeah, was... he does too much. <laughs> he does too much by my standards. Um, when I first started the show, Skoden Simina was already out there. That's that was the only native film podcast that I found on on mm-hmm. Apple. And so uh, that's why I called my native film talk. I was trying to look for ideas. Um, but yeah, and then we eventually crossed paths and on ig we were just chatting and uh, he told me like what he went through and all the steps he goes through and i'm just like bro you're it's like i think you're putting a lot of work in they're like what you're putting into is way more than i do it like that's amazing that you that you're willing to do that but eventually like he said you just you got to make a decision of like with my free time do i want to be doing this do i want to spend time with my family this is the to to me you know i don't want to sound like self-righteous or anything but this is like important work like i I really feel like people hang on for like the next episode because they want to hear, they just want to hear more because this isn't, this isn't talked about. There are native film critics. There are native directors. There are native writers. There are native actors that you've never heard of. All of those people, you've never heard of them. And you probably never will unless shit really changes. And it's such a disservice um, Mm. to the industry and to those people that put the hard work in. Um, And so, I think part of my mission for this is just to highlight some of that for people to get curious too, because the native content's out there. It's just not readily accessible, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, see, that was the thing about um, your Zombieland episode. So I I watched that uh, theaters and that scene, you know, went by and didn't really think much of it. But then when your episode came out, it was, it was talking about everything you talked about. Mm-hmm. And it really made me think like, whoa, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, it's just so fascinating how, you know, you guys are uh, just bringing out all these different points in these movies, like from native representation. And it really does like make me think, bro, like it really does. So, Good. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a trip, man. It's a trip from just sitting there watching a movie. But then like when you listen to, I listen to you guys, then it's like okay i need to watch it again and i need to like pay attention it's so it's so fucking weird no i get it i think i think i think the best thing about i mean you got to be doing it for yourself too and i think after a certain point i wasn't doing it for myself and that's why i wasn't into reviewing the movie so much Hmm. but you, you you find that love again and you get back into it so like right now i'm working on um one flew over the cuckoo's nest and then i gotta work on hostels after that and like those are pretty pretty big movies and they're they're a lot of fun and to, to to dig into and i think it sucks though when people are just like you should do this movie you should do this movie and they'll give me all these great recommendations i'm just like man you know i got i have a list an episode list i have like a big excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. um full of like 100 and i want to say like 70 different instances of native representation in film mm-hmm. and television mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's just it's a lot you know if i could be doing this for years if i really wanted to you know so it's i i I think a part of my hesitation of just like what i want to do with this next i think that's part of my problem is i'm always like what's next what's next Mm -hmm. so trying to figure out what's next while at the same time still trying to be consistent with what i'm doing yeah now on that list 
Do you have my wife and kids on there? No, I don't. Okay, so, bro, I'm just now watching this series again. <clears throat> and after hearing you guys in your podcast, you know, this episode came up. It was from, I think it's season three, episode 14 or 23, I believe. But anyways, um, Michael Kyle's dad, uh, I think is what's his name? Uh, Wayans. Ah, shit. Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans, and so they're doing the whole scout thing, you know, the Girl Scouts. And so, you know, they're doing the backyard thing where they're camping, and they're doing the native thing where he's acting native, and he's talking, like, real, like, just that old, like, stereotypical shit, you know, that that they did back in the day. And bro, like I didn't know if like you ever seen that season or that episode, but I think you should you should check it out. Nice. It's on Hulu right now. Nice. So so that's the kind of stuff that makes me want to do YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like when I like if you like say by the bell had their running Zach episode, you know, I want to go back and watch stuff like that and like clip it out and talk about it mm-hmm. and review it. Because Brady Bunch, same shit. You know, they went to the Grand Canyon. It's got like, I think I posted it on my Instagram the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying like, uh, you know, oh, this, this, you know, I don't know. Just saying like, oh, this is how you say, you know, uh, Grand Canyon in Indian. And they're like, oh, that's a great, that's a good, good, good job there, you know. And just like this and that and the other. Um, I remember distinctly, though, their dad in, in that episode was like, yata hey, kids. I'm like, what? That's how the local oh, natives say hello. Yatehe, no. oh, yeah, 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 dad. Yatehe, son. Yatehe. And I remember seeing that on because TV Land was a part of Nick at Night way back when. Mm-hmm. And so I used to watch Brady Bunch as a kid because of that. And I remember watching that episode. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, that's not how you say yate. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, I think that. Like that stuff is really fascinating. Is like the mm-hmm. really subtle native to to me. Period pieces, like people want me to go. You know, they have some interest in doing recaps on like period pieces, mm-hmm. but unless it's like Magua, or you know, I don't know, the Quick and the Dead. Like it's not interesting to me, mm-hmm. and that's that's me personally. Like if mm-hmm. somebody asked me to do a western, like it's just not interesting. Like I don't. I personally hate Westerns. Maybe not hate. Hate is not the right word. I I just, the genre, I don't appreciate. Like, I just, I never really got into genre, the, the Western genre. I think because mm-hmm. my entire family loved Westerns and I just couldn't stand it. Maybe there's like a subconscious piece where it's like the Nate, the Cowboys and Indians trope is just hurtful or something. I don't know what it is, but I just never glommed onto Westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I going with this? I don't recall, but yeah, it's, uh, gosh. So when I'm, when I'm, I really don't remember where I was going with that. Lost my train of thought, man. Lost my train of thought. Sorry uh, about that. Oh no. You're talking about, uh, the period pieces aren't for you. You don't. Yeah. So the, yeah. The, the, the period pieces, they're just, they're just not something I'm interested in. I like to mm-hmm. review things that are, like the Brady Bunch, like my wife and kids, like what you mentioned, where it's just like you weren't expecting to see natives, but you got natives. To me, yeah. that's more impactful because people aren't 
there's a certain type of person or a film lover or a movie goer that's going to go watch a native a movie that is on the nose native representation but i think it's more impactful to non-natives especially when they see stuff like in saved by the bell i'm sure somewhere in the fresh prince you know there's got to be native representation mm-hmm. somewhere you know like there's this there's this shit like that it's just like peppered in casually it just comes and goes but it but for some people that could be their only interaction with native people their entire life mm-hmm. and for us you know we're blessed to be near our homeland or at least maybe not our homeland but near our res where we see native people all the time there are other people especially when I went to Dartmouth where it's like, wow, you're the first native I ever met, you know, or like, Oh, I didn't know you guys are still around. And uh, I think for people that don't live near reses or don't know that there's a res near them or has have a big native population, like they, to me, it still blows my mind. There are people that have like never met a native in the States and they probably never will, but they go and watch my wife and kids and like, Oh, that's what natives are like. Still stuck in the past. They're not here mm-hmm. today. They don't have. So that's why like the upcoming show reservation dogs is such a big deal because it's like native people today, like as it stands today, using cell phones, consuming media, you know, like what do they look like today? Cause we still don't have a good picture of what that looks like on screen. Me and you know what it's like cause we live it, mm-hmm. but we don't, we don't see that on TV. Yeah. We're starting to, thankfully. There's a ton of native content coming out now, which is awesome. You know, Reservation Dogs, Resident Alien, um, Rutherford Falls, you know, which has got renewed for season two. It's awesome that we're getting stuff like that. And you got like Killers of the Flower Moon. You know, you have Mm -hmm. all these movies coming out that are going to have native representation. They're going to be written by native people, directed by native people, have prominent, have more new native actors in it. Um, And that's exciting. But still, you know, up until now, if people aren't going to go watch those, they're just going to miss it again, you know? True, true. I think we're not really going to make progress until my wife and kids, you know, TV shows that want to just pepper in Native representation until they start getting it more accurate. To me, I don't think we won't get progress until then. Yeah, that's exactly true. It's a lot to ask, though, because people don't care. I mean, Native people, we have such a small population you know, our voice is only so big. So thankfully, it's it's awesome that we got allies like Taika YTT that people who have a platform, people who have clout are saying like, yo, my boy Sterling Harjo, he can do some great shit. Let's, let's, let's put something together. Let's do it. And I'm excited for Reservation Dogs, man. Everybody that has been a part of it, they're just like, this shit's like nothing like you've ever seen before. And for the general population, that could be a good or a bad thing. I don't know, but... <clears throat> I think that for the longest time I had this idea that native stories won't make money because there's not enough natives to consume it. And mm. for the longest time, I believed that wholeheartedly, but I really think that people have never seen natives like accurately represented that. I think at first people would just be hungry for more because they're like, I had no idea, you know, they just, I think they'll just be curious, general curiosity. And then that breeds excitement and it breeds fandom. And I think, People would just be genuinely curious, and so I think there's there's there de- there's definitely a market um, for native representation, accurate native representation, and I think it's fun. I think I I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either, man. Like, uh, God, it's so exciting now. I don't, I don't know. It's just all of a sudden, just kind of, you know, 
falling out like a waterfall. I mean, it's just all it's just all out here now. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you too. Uh, I heard you I always hear you talk about Resident Alien. Um, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, so that one had native writers on it. So Tazba Rose Chavez, who's a writer on um, Resident. I'm sorry, Reservation Dogs. He or she, I'm sorry, apologize. She is, uh, she's a writer on that show. She's native. And I think, you know, Resident Alien has uh, Gary Farmer in it. Oh, really? Plays, yeah, he plays a dad in that. He's kind of a recurring character. Um, it's interesting because it's not on a reservation. It's not, it's near a reservation, a fictional res. But it's like this remote town in Colorado and this alien crash lands in the mountains and he like turns into a like disguises himself as a human. And one of the main characters that he interacts with is a native nurse. And she's like not wearing feathers. She's not wearing beaded anything. She's not, you know, in any period piece. She's just a normal person interacting. And you'll randomly get like references of her culture. Mm-hmm. Um, albeit fictional if anything that's better you know yeah. um but but they she's just a person that happens to be native like that's what people are you know like like me i'm a safety person by trade you know i i happen to be native you know it's not it's not who i am i mean mm-hmm. it is who i am but in my regular day-to-day life like nobody like oh that's the indian you know like oh they're just that's ian mm-hmm. and i think that resident alien did a great thing in that it's like you're you're just watching a regular tv show and there happens to be natives there but you may or may not care about that and it's not like a hey make sure we put this person in a pendleton jacket or make sure we put this person (laughs) with a feather in their cap so people know when they're watching that that's a native and you know i mentioned resident alien and for some people they don't care you know Mm -hmm. alan tudyk is in it people there's like alan tudyk like fans like hardcore fans because he uh you know, just because of his work, his previous work, he's Steve the pirate in dodgeball. That's what people like mostly remember him. Oh from. yeah. Okay. But he's mostly from like Firefly. I think that's like where he has like a lot of his following and mm-hmm. like, um, what is his name? Tucker and Dale versus evil. evil he's from yes. Yeah. So if you're a Steve Tudyk fan, you know, resident aliens, great. Cause he's the main guy. He's the one who plays the alien, but yeah, it's freaking just, it's a solid show. You know, you watch it and it's just like, there's no cringe moments for, mm-hmm. for natives. You watch it and they have like smudging in there and it's like done gracefully because they have a native writer and you can tell they actually did it with care. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm going to have to watch it. Um, is it Hulu or sci-fi? I, you know, I had to, I got, I got the hookup for an account to go watch it. So Ooh. I don't know how you, I don't know. How, <laughs> I don't know how you get sci-fi. I, I, I don't have cable of any kind. So can't help you there hook 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 me up (laughs) i might have to no i'm just kidding (laughs) i have to catch i have to catch it man that sounds really cool i love um i love that when natives are just regular people just living 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 there and yeah they don't have to wear a fucking pendleton jacket or a fucking feather on their on their uh braid or something you know while some of us do that, you know, those are tryhards. Some of them, some of them, they're, they're out there. There are natives out there who freaking, you know, wear penal and everything, hardcore native everything. But it's just like, that's not all of us, you know? And that's like, most of us are just like me and you. We just walk around. We don't look native. Mm-hmm. You know, you have long hair. I don't have any long hair, you know? It's just mm-hmm. like, you, when people find out I'm Navajo, they're like, oh, that's interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. But I and they're like, I didn't know that. 
you know, mm-hmm. but I think living in Phoenix, people are like, I would have guessed because we live near the Navajo res. There's a ton of us around. People have heard of Navajos, mm-hmm. but other areas, I think people take it for granted that a lot of people have never met a native. And to we this exist. Day, <laughs> to this day, there are people I went to Dartmouth with. They're still like, you're like the only native I've met, you know, or the native people I met at Dartmouth are the only people I've met. I've met. Mm-hmm. It's just how it goes. What was your experience like at Dartmouth? <clears throat> oh man, bro. It was, uh, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fun, you know, party too much. I learned <laughs> a lot. Um, I went to Dartmouth specifically because they have a big native population. It's mm-hmm. one of the Ivy league schools that when it was founded, Eliezer Wheelock founded the college in 1769 because he wanted to educate the natives in the area. So mm-hmm. Dartmouth college was actually founded for native education. And so because of that, a president, handful of presidents ago at Dartmouth wanted to re kind of invigorate that mission to hire native people. So they have a native recruiting office. I mean, it's like one person and like one other person, they're like two people, but mm-hmm. they specifically go and recruit natives. So they came to my high school um, and I actually was going through a summer math and science program where I already knew about Dartmouth. It was like a summer mission program all throughout high school. And it was in Andover, Massachusetts at Phillips Academy. And so I went there for summer schools while I went to school on the res during the regular year. And so I already knew about Dartmouth and I applied and I went and I went specifically there because they have a lot of natives. There's more natives at Dartmouth than there are at the other Ivy leagues combined. And it's still only like 150, <laughs> but it's way, <laughs> it's way more than, you know, our present anywhere else. And so mm-hmm. Dartmouth has a history of native mascots. And so that's something that was interesting. I didn't know about that until I got there. We're the Dartmouth green right now, mm-hmm. but we used to be the Dartmouth Indians. And really? Dartmouth, Dartmouth has a long history of legacies. People who have like, my dad went here, my grandpa went here, they're donors. So we get in kind of thing, like just the Ivy league, I guess like stereotype, like that does happen. Like there are mm-hmm. people who are legacy students. And so imagine like Redskins fans now that are still alive. They're like my entire life. They are Redskins. I still got my, still got my jacket. My dad took me to a game. They were the Redskins, you know, the skins ride till I die. Mm-hmm. When they have kids and it's, do you think they're going to be Washington football team? Maybe, maybe not. They might still give their jackets with the Redskins to their kids. Mm-hmm. So it was like that at Dartmouth, even though the Dartmouth Indian went away in the eighties, I think seventies or eighties. I can't remember which those legacy students, they still get their dad's, you know, old Dartmouth jacket with a Dartmouth Indian on the back. They still got mm-hmm. their old staff from their fraternity that has a Dartmouth Indian. They're still random, like Dartmouth Indian head, you know, uh, I say carvings, um, like figurines and, you know, stuff and randomly throughout the frats and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. an old college. And so finding that stuff and seeing, so it, it didn't mean, it didn't matter to me because I had a stereotypical mascot in my high school. But it was all Navajo high school. So we were just like, or at Navajo and Hopi. And so we were just like, "Eh, whatever, you know, it didn't mean anything to us. So I never saw an issue with the mascots until I went to Dartmouth, until I saw other Native students respond to it. And I had a good awakening there at college when I saw other students that were like, like me, we, we played all Native schools, like, or all like mostly Native schools, um, mostly Navajo schools. I never 
I had friends at Dartmouth who like were the Indians too. Like, like their name was the Indians, but they were like in a border town. So they played nothing but non-native schools. So when they would go to travel, it'd be like, you know, kill the savages, you know, kill the Indians, you know, put those Indians in their place kind of thing. And it's just like, I never saw any of that. But for them, so when they when they left the res, when they left their school that was the Indians to go to Dartmouth that has a history of being the Indians, they're like, here we go again. And it's worse because these kids of power, these kids are going to be somebody someday, and they're going to still think that we're just mascots. And so that was a big controversy my freshman year where there was a big like solidarity movement and like CNN came on campus and it was a big deal, man. When we were Whoa. talking about like race relations and native representation and um, because there was like cowboys and Indians parties being thrown that we didn't know about and shit like Holy that. Shit. Yeah. And there was a, it was a newspaper called the Dartmouth review. It was student run and we had multiple instances where we were mad about the mascot. And even though the mascot was just being brought up by like some of the students, it wasn't the student body at large. This mm. mascot issue was big enough that this Dartmouth Review paper had this old, old white, black and white photo with this native person. It was a painting or a, a hand drawing, it looked like, of a native person running with a scalp. And the, uh, the it was on the cover. And the, the, the main storyline was the natives are getting restless. And it was a whole uh, article about the native students at Dartmouth, like bitching about the native oh, mascot. What? Yeah. Because we had this same organization was selling like Dartmouth Indian shirts during homecoming. And so mm. we shut it down. I say we, I wasn't a part of it, but like the native students, you know, shut it down. And in response, they published that article. And uh, yeah, because there's really two newspapers at school. There's the school run newspaper and there's one that's published by just students and that looking back on it now it's probably more of like a conservative leaning paper but it is yeah the dartmouth review because there's the dartmouth newspaper and then there's the review and the review had the, the natives are getting restless um so like every homecoming season you could expect to see dartmouth indian pop up and it's something they still deal with today and i think i really got an, a, a glimpse into like why do these people think that I never thought that in my life. Like, what do people think of natives? Mm -hmm. I knew what I thought of natives. I knew what my dad, my mom and dad, my parents, my grandparents thought of natives. But I never once in my life thought about, like, what do people think of us? Outside of when you go to a border town and you see a bunch of, like, native drunks and you kind of, like, judge them, you know? Like, that's yeah. the only time you ever thought of, like, what do people think of us? But, like, I never thought of it, like, in the context of, like, college. Yeah. Yeah, that's... um fuck man that's crazy holy shit <laughs> that's pretty wild wow that, that is that is wild as fuck um so yeah pretty, the, go ahead oh i was gonna say well the mascot thing like see growing up here i knew like i was talking to tyler about this but i knew in the back of my head it was it was it was fucked up like it was wrong but you know like you're a kid or you're a teenager like you don't i, I like i didn't know how to say what i was feeling like say mm -hmm. like i don't think this is you know cool like i don't know if this is right or wrong and then you got your older people that you know well, some of them that would speak up would say oh you know it's honoring us you know it's yeah you know it's uh it's cool like um uh, 
like uh, the the Atlanta Braves. They're called that because they want to be brave like us or some shit like that, you know. And and then I left, you know, I left here and I went to school, and you know, that's when I knew, man. That's when everybody was like talking about how native mascots are like this fuckery that is a joke, man. Like that's not us, you know, that's not us on our daily, on a daily dude. Like we don't look like that. We don't cheese around like that. You know, it's like, um, it's just, it's just some fucking crazy shit that's been going on for a long time. And it's, it's finally, it's coming up. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Cause people are like, Oh, there's progress. There's progress. Look at the Cleveland Indians are going away. They're the guardians, the Redskins oh, right yeah. now, the Washington football team. There's progress. We just, you know, next we got to go to the Florida Seminoles. We got to go to the Blackhawks and blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's just like all of that is, yes, it's good. Yes, it's progress. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember. I saw a study at one point of like something like 85% of all native mascots is like K through 12. You know, it's not yeah. in colleges. It's not in colleges. It's not in the pro sports. It's like it's all K through 12. And those are your most formative years. Those are when you're like, building self-esteem self-efficacy and it's like what are those doing to native students to be in a in in an environment where you're you can't honor yourself you know (laughs) you have like a native mascot but like so what's interesting about mine is the tuba city warrior is a a side profile picture Mm -hmm. of a drawing of a guy with a very stereotypical like big nose his like his like almost has like a Neanderthal like eyebrow bone where it's like really hanging over and mm-hmm. look really grotesque looking with a mohawk and he's got like a feather on the bottom bottom of his mohawk mm-hmm. and we drew that shit that wasn't a white person coming by saying like hey I got logos for sale you guys want to buy this this is like in the sick I can't remember how old the warrior is like maybe seventies eighties mm-hmm. when given our own devices. When we're given the reins and the piece of paper and pen and we say, okay, draw yourself. What do you see? That's what we drew. Mm-hmm. Navo has drew that. But people don't care about that because warrior pride, because warrior, because ball is life. Because mm-hmm. we're, 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 we contend for state championships because we have a massive basketball arena. Don't you dare take my mascot because we got warrior pride in my family. There are Navajos mm-hmm. to this day that got the warrior you know, tattooed on their body because there's a lot of pride in that. So it's difficult when you got school pride tied to it. And I hear like school board meetings where people are contending that because it's the same thing. It's like people are real tribal about it. They're just like, that's, that's who I come from. That's who I represent. That's what represents me is that's mascot. You know, my dad, my brother, my sister, we're all that Mm -hmm. and native and non-native, you know? So it's like, it's a tough issue. It's a tough issue for sure because some people refuse to see it. Some people refuse to acknowledge it. Some people refuse to see it as a larger issue, native and non-native. And I think native sometimes we're the worst ones, man, because we're because people will use us as the example. I'm like, I got that native friend. He wears Blackhawks hats. He wears Seminoles mm-hmm. hats. He doesn't see the Redskins as an issue. He doesn't see it as offensive. Mm-hmm. And they'll use you as the representative for everybody they'll tell everybody like i know a native guy that doesn't find the redskins offensive you know so mm-hmm. it's it's but people don't think about that when they say like you know it's cool because unfortunately when we're a mascot on a on a logo that people are wearing 
we're not a drunken Indian. We're not a stupid Indian. We're not a noble savage. Fuck yeah, it's cool. You know, because you'll see people like natives. It's like, you guys don't fucking like hockey. Why are you wearing a Blackhawks hat? You know, but <laughs> the Blackhawks logo looks cool. looks badass, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there are natives. You'll go around and res all across the country. Hockey fans or not, they'll just be like, you even know where Chicago is, bro? Like you're wearing a Blackhawks like hat, but it looks cool because people are just like, it's, it's different. You know, some people just like it because it looks cool. Yeah, yeah. You'll see natives with a stereotypical like skull and headdress and shit with feathers, but that to them they're like, that's cool, man. Mm-hmm. They don't see an issue with it. So it's there's, I don't know. It's a tough issue because it's like you don't want to be the person that feel that that wants to seem like you have answers or they're wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a gentle conversation you need to have and if they're not ready to let it go you can't force them i I, i've learned that just like if they're not willing to hear your conversation you just gotta let them Mm. it took me a while to be awakened and see the wrongdoing when i was a junior in high school in whose honor the documentary with charlene teeters about the illinois illini that controversy Mm -hmm. that was shown to my class as a junior in high school and i was like what the hell are you showing us like we're the two city warriors like this the you're showing us a fictional tribe like i don't see a problem with it i told and i was the brain of the of my class and so i spoke up for my class to my white teacher i was like what the hell are you doing like this isn't an issue here mm-hmm. yeah i remember um so i went to school at iia and um we were in a media class and we had to make this like it was like a like a 3d image like a object or some shit and you put pictures on it right and so i put the uh i put the fucking the cleveland indians logo on it on the very top of it and so was it on the top or the bottom it was either on the inside or outside i think it was on the inside no it was on the outside it was on the outside because what i was saying was somebody people would ask me like how come you're putting that on there and i was like for me right now like I didn't really know how to express myself because I was like, I was only 19 and I didn't really know how to speak about shit, you know? And so I put that on there and my thing was like, I put that on there because I don't look like this, but yet this is what people see on the outside. For some reason, they see this like image. And then I was like, that's not what I look like. That's not what we all look like. You know, it's kind of like a little, little statement, you know? And so everybody's like, oh, that's that's cool. You know, and I was like and it was like a last minute thing because I was I fucked around a lot in college, but it was like a last minute thing. I was like, I'm just put those I'm gonna put this on there because, you know, we're not I don't look like this. Like I don't have I don't have red ass skin. I don't fucking cheese around like this and all like that. It's like blackface, man. Like it's it's yeah. so fucked oh, up. It is. Yeah. And how, I think how acceptable it was you know it it well you say was i still is man i mean is is yeah 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 yeah. and i'm not i'm not trying to like correct you like i just say i say that because just because people are like progress they look at the professional sports they look at Mm -hmm. colleges but it's just like man florida seminoles that shit's not going away anytime soon like all the hosts all the high schools can go the Mm -hmm. seminole nation like has like it supports the florida seminoles so yeah. it's just like that's a whole battle on itself good luck there you know mm-hmm. it's just like we're not we're making progress 
because like the Redskins is just fucking how the hell did that go for so long? You know, mm-hmm. like Indians, you can make the argument that the, the, the name is problematic. Yes. The image is really problematic, but the mm-hmm. Redskins, like the Redskins is so on the nose bad. Like how the fuck did that go for so long? And so it's real hard. It's, it's, it's progress for sure, but man, it's, it's, it's rough out there. Um, I, I wish, I wish we could know what the impact was, is like psychologically on like developing kids to see that, to see that kind of like representation of themselves, especially when there's very little, you know, I'm happy. My son is growing up in the world where there's shows like Molly from Denali, where they can see positive representation of native kids on TV. Whereas me, it was like running Zach <laughs> we can save by the bell. That's like all I saw, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, well, and Thunderheart and shit and like it would that that's all I had growing up. So I don't know. So I never saw a problem with the Warriors. I never saw a problem with our mascot, you know? And I mm-hmm. think that's that's the other problem too, is it's really hard to have these conversations without sounding like an asshole, like you have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I really thought like once I found that out, I'm like, oh man, everybody needs to know this. Everyone's gonna be like, thank you, Ian. This is good information. Mm-hmm. Majority of people are like, the fuck are you talking about? We got water rights issues, we got treaty rights issues, we got food insecurity, we got running water issues. A lot of our res is like struggling with look at COVID, all this shit with COVID and hitting our res is higher than yeah. like well, Navajo Nation at one point was the hot spot in the world. And it's like, you want to care about mascots. So it's like, it's really easy to be written off when you're trying to be rah, rah, rah about changing the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, you bring up um, how kids would, you know, like if we could somehow hear their thoughts, because there's a big ass school here, uh, Union Redskins, bro. And when that gets brought up on like the news um, mm-hmm. Facebook thing, like people wild out on that comment section, man, it is, it's like, that's like, not, it's not us. Like, I mean, some of us, but they're like, that's our history. Like that's, yeah. that's us. That's always been us. And it's, it's a crazy ass fucking um, arguments that go on. Like I got sucked into it like a couple years ago and I was just, I was just on there, like just battling everybody. And then I was like, man, what the fuck am I doing? Like, and they just won't listen like it, it, you're just talking to a wall you know it's crazy yeah if 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 somebody doesn't tell me like that's like can you tell me more about your perspective if they're just like ready like if they're just waiting for me to stop talking because they want to respond like I, I i don't have time for you you know yeah yeah yeah. i wasted a lot of sleep and a lot of my good mental health on yep. too many of those conversations <laughs> because i had to learn like just you know, whether it's politics or, you know, social justice issues, like just some people aren't willing to listen mm-hmm. and we just have to understand that. But there yeah. are people who are actually want to learn and we got to try to educate those people, you know, about like what it, and let them decide for themselves. Like, don't assume sure. like, I think that's there was something I learned with mascots. It's just like, if I lay it out and you're still like, no, I don't see the issue. I'm just like, okay, well, you know, if I, if me telling you it hurts me, it hurts mm-hmm. people around me. And you and, and me telling you that like it's problematic. I know people that like when they see it, it brings tears to their eyes because of it brings back all these issues like historical trauma. It brings out these like uh, you know it, it triggers them in different ways. It's like if mm. all of those examples, albeit anecdotal, don't elicit an emotional response to the degree that you say, okay, I see your point and I support you, then you know I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. I, I did I did my part. You know I tried to tell you 
what I know, what I know about the issue. Maybe somebody else will come along, but at least I planted the seed to where maybe they'll meet another native or another ally who will tell them like, Hey, this is problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Like I, I see that too. I, well, I think it's cause I'm older now. Like I'm not trying to preach about it. And if it comes up, cool. Like we'll talk about it or whatever and plant some seeds, but I'm not going to go out of my way to, you know, stand up, stand up in your face and be like, look, this is how it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't have the energy for that now. I I think think that's why I like my podcast because it's just me most of the time. And I'm talking to people who already, I'm not debating with people, you know, like about native representation. When people come on, I'm talking about them because they because they care about native representation. They already see the lack of representation, and when we are represented, it's misrepresentation. So, mm-hmm. how do we fix that? How do we move the ball forward in the right direction? How do we change hearts and minds to see that, like, hey, we have stories to tell. Put us behind the camera. Put us behind the script. Put us on screen so we can tell it ourselves. Don't tell it for us, um, and just give us a chance, and we'll impress you. I promise you. And I think. People, what's crazy is there's a ton of those people that want to have that conversation, mm-hmm. native and non-native. And I think that it's really exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. I mean, fuck, man. We got, I don't know. It's just going to, it's going to take a while. <laughs> but, you know, you know how it goes, Ian. Yeah, you just you know something like something you you definitely have to learn with age, and I'm sure I'm gonna look back when I'm 40 and be like, man, when I was 30, I was an idiot, you know, just like how I look back at when I was 20. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but at least right now, like you understand that anything worth doing that's take that takes time or anything that takes time is is, is worth doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if you get a quick win, it's probably not real, and it's probably not you know what you think it is. So like stuff like this, I think you know, like success with the podcast, it's been slow, it's been gradual. Um, but it is successful. I mean, successful to me, you know, way mm-hmm. more than I thought. If you told me, you know, I gave you the numbers that I have, the number of subscribers, the number of comments and reviews I have, if you could have told me that when I started, like, I would have been like, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, I have like people that listen in from England and Australia and shit. And I don't say that to brag. I, I say that because it's like, how, how did that happen? I have no idea, mm-hmm. you know, just like I did what I thought was good to like spread the word, but people found my show and people listen and it's fantastic, you know? Well, it's exciting too, to, to see that because I don't even look at my numbers now, but when I did in May, it was in like Japan and Australia and fucking Spain. And I was like, how, like who the fuck is over there? How did they find this? You know, it's, it's a question that I ask and I brought it up on my show a few times, but yeah, it's not like I'm bragging about it. It's like, I'm excited about it. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's so crazy to think, you know, our shows are over there, bro. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy to me too. Like when you look at your stats page, I, when I first started, like every day I was looking, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but then after a while, you're just like, the fuck am I doing? But (laughs) But after a while, you know, you look and you're just because they have those heat maps that tell you where your listeners are. Mm -hmm. And when I covered the 50 states, that was a milestone for me. When I had a download in every state, that's when I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Some of them are just like one, two, you know, Mm -hmm. Alabama, Arkansas. I just got like one and like, hey, the state's the state's colored in. I don't care. Don't tell me. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But like most of my listeners are. It's not even, I mean, it's Arizona, but it's mostly California, Washington, 
you know, New York, like those states, I'm just like, I live in Arizona. Like, how is it not Arizona? Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy to see that people are just like listening, tuning in. Some people, I don't know, they just enjoy it. They just, they just enjoy the research, the fact that someone's talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, because you think about it, smoke signals some, is like all we had for the longest time that people would, because non-natives, we have movies that we enjoy that non-native people have never like black cloud yeah there's a ton of native non-native people have never heard of black cloud but you know for us like hey eddie spears fuck yeah let's go watch that movie so like when scoden cinema did a fucking three-hour episode on black cloud people who ride or die for black cloud they'll listen to that even if Mm -hmm. it's not all that interesting to people who've never heard of it people who have seen black cloud multiple times they'll go listen to that like yeah i mean so it's cool that he does that and it's i think people how i just sounded about his episode of black cloud that's how people feel about some of my episodes and i think it's awesome so oh yeah it's uh it's tough though man i mean kind of like venting a little bit during this episode but it's 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 hard i mean you know this shit's hard when you're when you're not doing it for a living um, when you don't have the time that you want to dedicate to it you definitely feel and then sometimes you're just like is it even worth it you think that shit all the time, no matter how successful your, your show is, you still sometimes think like, is it even worth it? And it's hard. And I think, um, you just got to prioritize what's important in your life and just put it aside when you need to. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun right now. And that's, I think try, I try not to get caught up in what if I don't want to do this someday? Cause I did think that for a while of like, what's going to happen when I lose motivation. It's like, you're going to lose motivation. Just deal with it, you know, or, or work through it, be creative find a way to get motivation um so that's 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 where i'm at with my show and it's uh i'm having fun with it man and i, I appreciate you having me on because it's like finding other native podcasters when i first started the show there was fucking nobody and then as you get into it you find other shows you're like there's a, a lot of us out there i mean not a mm. lot but more than you would have imagined before you know true so it's pretty fun like Mac Nez, homie's got like a thousand episodes. I never <laughs> For real, of, I never, I never, never heard of it before I got into this. And so now you got a lifelong friend. I know, I know, man. I was, he was on, and Tyler was on. Now you're on, bro. Mm-hmm. Like you and Kevin need to come down sometime. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, and that's, I, I think that's what's cool is like, if nothing else, I can go. Before this year, I could have said I don't know anybody in Oklahoma, you know. But it's weird because, like, even though we're this is like the only conversation we've had, we've like chatted on Instagram here and there. But just being in the podcast game, like, it's its own community. You know, you just have like a level of respect for somebody that does it. Like, I have respect for you and Tyler and you know Magnus, you know Kevin, just just by doing this because it's fucking hard. It's a mm-hmm. lot of work. You know, and yeah. I'm not I'm not complaining. Like it's like something I shouldn't be doing. I'm complaining like it's a hard workout of just like, I want to do this, but it's fucking hard, you know? Yeah. And I feel yeah. great after it's over. But when I look at it, I'm like, man, that was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. People don't really understand how much work we all put into this, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and it's just kind of like, they see the episode done. They see the artwork. They see you, um, uh, they see you uh, putting it on Instagram and Facebook and that's it. You know, they don't mm-hmm. see like, we have to schedule everybody or you have to put in like the time to watch the movie, dissect it and then like edit it 
and make sure everything's perfect. Um, I got to make sure uh, I got to. <laughs> I always check my sound because I'm always afraid I'm not going to. I, I'm gonna have. I'm not gonna have any sound. Like I'm always afraid of that, man. That's the one thing I'm afraid of. But I got to make sure all that's right, and then, boom, you know, it's done. And I go on the next one. So I mean, people don't understand that, and they're like, "Oh, add this, add that, and do this." And it's like, bro, it's it's just me. <laughs> if I can get to a point where either. If I get to a point where I have someone edit for me and it's like reasonable and I can afford it, like I'll do YouTube for sure. You know, yeah, like yeah, I, it's yeah. not like I don't want to, I want to, if I can buy a Sony ZV one, you know, if I mm. got a spare 800 bucks laying around then yeah, I'll go do it. But right now I don't, you know, so mm. it's just, uh, and, and I don't necessarily want to film with my phone. You know, I can, you know, so you can still film in 4k, but I don't want to, you know, it's just like right now I just don't have the, I don't have the ability to do it, but I want to, I have, I think what makes me excited is I've always been a, a person that's written down like my goals ever since I was in high school and I only do it. I only keep doing it because it works. What I want to be doing in a year, three years, five years, 10 years, and I have to write it physically down somewhere. And I just look at it. It's not like I visualize and like, pinning it up on the wall i just write it down the act of writing it down helps me realize what i want to do where i want to take it and you know they're just they're they're just silly milestones for me and i i that's how i hit them and i've continued to do that with my show as i've gone along you know coming up on a year and mm -hmm. as long as i'm that excited about it where i still have those long-term goals then yeah i'll keep doing this because this is fun and I think what I've realized in, you know, in doing this is if I'm not enjoying it, then I'm not doing it right. Cause if mm. I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm trying to get it perfect for the listeners, then it's, I'm not doing it for the right reasons. Cause as soon as I see a dip in listeners, I'm like, Oh God, what am I doing? <laughs> and, and all of a sudden you're doing, you're, you're not being genuine. True. True. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all out here having fun, getting to connect with each other. I mean, that's, that's what I love about this man. Like mm -hmm. same thing. Who would have thought, you know, I'd ever come across you if not even like starting this podcast, I would probably never cross paths, bro. Even if you, you walk by each other, I'd be like, Oh, it's a big dude. And just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. I walk in Oklahoma and pass each other. I never, you know, would have never stopped and talked. And it's pretty cool. I think that's the coolest thing about podcasts. And frankly, I, for the non-native listeners, I hear people all the time, like, do I have to be native to listen? And I'm just like, bro, what the fuck kind of question is that? <laughs> um, but it's just, I think for some people, they're just like, hey, what do natives talk about? What are they like? What is it? What are their perspectives like? I think for some of those people that are listening, that are non-native, that are like overseas, they're just like interested, intrigued. Because it's probably mm -hmm. the only place they could get the, this conversation, mm -hmm. you know? I think what's interesting though, when what I hope Res Dogs Reservation Dogs addresses is just like how I grew up on the Res. I, I gather that you did too, or near one. Mm -hmm. um, like it's hard. I think, and I I think all people show when they do show the Res is like the poverty, and it's like yeah, there's it's poverty. It's an impoverished community. It's lower SES, but. I want to see people like talk about the triumph, you know, the goodwill hunting stories where it's like, Hey, we had this person that left the res and they're a fucking professor somewhere now, or they became a professional athlete or a successful business owner, 
or they just got into the trades and they left and they never came back and they have a successful life. They bought homes for their kids and, you know, they're raising well-adjusted adults. They got them the hell out. You know, I want, I want a future where people are talking about those kind of stories where it's like, how do you marry that disparity where if you're intelligent, if you show promise, they want you to get the fuck away from the res, you know, Mm -hmm. but then later in life, you go and regret that shit because that's the only place you can be connected to your culture. You know, it's like, how do you marry that up? How do you marry that disparity up? Where it's like combat language loss, combat culture loss, talking about pretendians, talking about blood quantum issues, skin color issues on the res, you know, how we're, you know, I think, I think all of those stories, there's so many nuances about being native today that that needs to be told. And it's, I'm excited for that to be told. There's plenty of ten, plenty of native talent out there to tell those stories, and I'm excited. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is only the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's we're here. I mean, fuck, man. I, I think what 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 when I when I lay up, a, you know, and I can't sleep, and they sit there, and I'm be like, I want someday to for for people to look back at our podcasts and say like they help that they were help us mature to where we are today mm-hmm. you know it's like oh you know russell's podcast ian's podcast they they push the ball further and now we have this because of them mm-hmm. and it's like if i never make any money off of this that breaks my heart a little bit <laughs> but <laughs> i i hope i hope someday i can eventually make money off of this like somehow mm-hmm. um because i want to do this for a living i want i want to be able to do this for a living but but if i never do I just want to put enough effort into it for people to be like, I started podcasting or I got interested in podcasting and media and criticism and film critics, whatever um, film reviews because of that. Like mm. the inspiration part of it is, is, is what's cool. There've been a few people that have told me like, Oh yeah, I started my podcast because of you. I'm just like, that's crazy, man. You know, cause I don't have anybody to tell that to uh, I can tell that to Joe Rogan and Bill Burr, maybe, <laughs> but like, you know, I just, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And I enjoy listening to you, man. Like you have a great podcast, you know, I, I love it, man. I hope, I really hope like you keep doing it. I know things happen. You know, I know you need your breaks. We all need our breaks, but man, just keep doing it, man. Like I enjoy it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, episode 36 is dropping tomorrow. So I'm, I'm, I'm still going along. Yeah, I'm on fifty. Is I'm closer to fifty than I was than I am to zero. So I am. I'm good, man. I'm. I got a lot of energy right now on this. Are you going to do anything big for fifty? <clears throat> no. Looking back on it, I should have like did like some of the numbers were real big. Like I'm a big sports fan, so I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, my Michael Jordan episode, I should have did something big. My Pat Ewing, my thirty three episode, I should have did something big. Mm, okay. Um, but like thirty six, I'm just like, yeah. At this point, no, I'm not gonna do anything. <laughs> Who knows, uh, though? I mean, that's you know, that, that might be the end of the year, close to the end of the year by the time I do that. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to right now get more. I'm trying to focus on guests. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like my my goal is to get somebody crazy like Michael Gray Eyes or Wes Duty. You know, like those are the goals. Or Jeff Barnaby, the director of Blood Quantum. Mm-hmm. Um. And what's crazy is if I asked them now, they probably would. Like if I could get to them, they probably would. But it's just like right now I'm not 
I'm not there yet where I want to talk to them. Not, mm-hmm. not, not that I want to, but I feel like I'm not there yet where I don't have the right questions I want to ask. I don't have the conversation ready I want to have. Mm-hmm. There's still more I need to uncover to feel like I, I, I want to learn from. Like my episode tomorrow is of the casting director who focuses on native casting. So yeah. is, it, is it really hard to cast native people? And that's what I asked them. And so it's cool. It's fun. I want to learn more about that. I want to interview native writers, you know, trying to get some people who wrote on Rutherford Falls, who wrote on Reservation Dogs to talk about what it's like to be a native writer. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of stuff I want to do. I think in, in, in talking about native film and representation, it's just like, what isn't being created? I think is a better question sometimes of just mm-hmm. like, we're seeing all this shit that's out there. Some of it is awful, like ridiculous six, but then like, what is, what actually makes it to a producer's table of like, what scripts are handed to you? And you're like, no, there's no market for this. And like, that's the story that would change native kids lives. Cause they're like, Oh, that's the movie that made me want to do this. Or that's the movie that made me want to be an actor. That's the movie that, you know, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, what isn't being made? What, 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 what are you trying to get off the ground that people aren't hearing? Like, that's what I want to talk about now. Cause mm-hmm. there's tons of talent. There's tons of stuff that doesn't get greenlit. Yeah. I was going to tell you, uh, I just had Joseph Clift. Have you heard of him? No, but I saw that I saw that episode uh, cover. You should. Uh, he's a, he's him a film. Up. He's a is he a cinematographer? He's a writer, writer and a comedian. But I just had him on. But his name's Joseph Clift. He's on Facebook. You should have him on. He's a writer. He worked on Spirit Rangers most recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joey he's really cool. He's Joey really Clift. cool. There you go. Okay. I remember. Yes. I follow him on Twitter. So yeah, oh, do you know who he is? Yeah, he's really cool. Hit him up. I'm gonna have to listen to that episode for sure. That, that one comes out on the 11th, I believe. Nice. So yeah, but man, he's really cool. I I think he'd be really great for your show. Nice. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for him. Yeah. Um. But fuck, I was gonna tell you something else. Uh, I had an idea. I was gonna tell you after we were done, but uh shit bro you know i don't want to take take much uh any more of your time but uh this was great this was great and uh you're welcome back anytime bro you're welcome back anytime come back on we'll talk about whatever (laughs) i I look forward to it man i really enjoyed our conversation uh do you want to shout out your social yeah so i'm on uh native film talk on instagram facebook twitter and youtube and you can look me up on my on uh, my Native Film Talk podcast is on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, yeah, check it out. Leave a review; I'd appreciate it. Yes, sir. Everybody, please go check out the homie Ian Allison. Um, he's the host of Native Film Talk. Please go subscribe, rate, review his podcast. It helps out so much. Give him a follow on Facebook. I mean, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Go follow him on Instagram. Man, he's got great content guess whatever man he's he's doing it all um nice so i guess until next time everybody peace <laughs>